For some of you who don't know, I've actually um, been a pastor before and uh, uh, been traveling a lot doing ministry. God has really allowed me allowed me to to go to some places I've never thought I would go. I've been, to, been able to go to Russia a few times and Siberia and do some really, really great things. And um, and so I'm part of the leadership, not really technically a pastor here, but I'm part of the leadership team. And I'm just so blessed to be able to be here. I think we have an incredible pastor. Um, I love his heart for our church body. I love his heart for our community. And um, But uh, I'm really blessed to be able to come and, and be able to minister the word of God with you guys this morning. Um, you know, I always like to know a little bit about people that, that, are, that are speaking. I like to know a little bit about their background. I um, uh, was not raised in church, and um, my parents are really, really great people. They taught us, I mean, like if we, like if we got caught lying or or doing something wrong at school. I, or their rule was, if, of course, you know, I'm, I'm old. I'm like Abe Lincoln and I were roommates in college. And, um, uh, you know, but I lived, I lived in the day where teachers could spank us. And uh, how many of you guys ever got a spanking at school? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They need to bring that back. Um, and, but if we got a spanking at, at school, we got double when we got home, right? And you know, I've told my kids this. I was like, you know, I said, and if you ever thought you were in trouble for a spanking, my grandmothers were allowed to spank us. And if grandma spanked you, oh my gosh, your butt was going to look like two Japanese flags when you got home. I'm telling you, you were in big trouble if grandma had to spank you. But you know what else? My neighbors were allowed to spank us. Isn't that crazy? But that's the kind of relationship we had with people back in the day. My parents were awesome people, and they taught us not to lie and, and to um, just really do the right thing. I mean, we were taught to really respect people, but I wasn't raised in church. And so um, I went through some pretty hard stuff when I was a teenager, and I started drinking when I was about 14. And then when I went through college, uh, part of my time in high school and college, I got addicted to alcohol. And when I graduated from college, I knew I was in really big trouble because I was drinking by myself. I have a marketing and advertising degree, and I got a job working at an advertising agency in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I was drinking and sometimes getting drunk before I went to work. And, um, uh, and so I knew that, um, and I tried to quit drinking for about three years. I couldn't do it. And um, one Sunday morning, I got up, and I, put, I wore a suit and tie to, to work, and I put my suit and tie on. My mom's like... I was still living at home, and I'd been out of cottage for maybe about six months. And my mom said, what are you doing with your suit on? It's not Monday. She thought I you know, had the day mixed up, because probably because she probably thought I was drunk. But anyway, um, and I, she, I said, no, it's Sunday. And I said, I'm going to church. She said, you're going where? And I said, I'm going to church. And so I drove by this Baptist church all the time uh, going to work, and it was a decent-sized church. It probably, it, I'd say it probably had 1,000, 1,200 people there. And I went to church, and I went in, and I heard the gospel for the first time, and I was like, this is for me. But I knew nothing about God. I knew, I knew, nothing, about the, I knew nothing about the Bible, and uh, so I went to church, and I was working on a project for work, and it's kind of a long story, but I was in the storage closet, and I found a brand new Bible in this storage closet, and I opened it up, and when I opened it up, I opened up to Proverbs 3 to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, to really acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. That's the very first scriptures I ever read. Tell me God didn't just open that up for me. Isn't that awesome? And so anyway, so I heard the gospel. And so then I went the next week and it was really clicking with me. Oh, you can ask God to have a relationship with you. And through Jesus, I was really understanding it. And so I was like, man, the third time I'm going, I am going to sit in the second row. And as soon as the pastor gives the invitation for me to accept Christ, I'm running up there. 
because, and I didn't know I could just like do this at home. And so that week, some missionaries came and they showed pictures and some videos and there was no altar call. And I'm like sweating. Oh my gosh, what, how am I supposed to do this? No one called me to the front. And so that week, seriously, that week, I went home, I threw away all my secular music, and I only listened to Christian music on the radio, and I listened to, and I was like, God, please don't let me get in a wreck on the way to work, because I'll die, I'm going to go to hell, I got to get to church next Sunday. I thought I had to be at church, and someone had to lead me to Jesus, but that's what I did that next week. And when I did, I, I explained, the best way to explain this is this, is that I felt like there was a monster inside of me that controlled me with alcohol. And I'm telling you, the moment I accepted Jesus, I will never forget driving out of that church parking lot. I had this beige little Datsun 210 that I drove. Uh-huh, it was a five-speed. It was rocking, the little hatchback. And it was beige, which was really cool. Um, there you go. And, um, but I remember driving out of that parking lot, and I remember thinking to myself, the monster's dead. And I got free right then. It was awesome. Hallelujah. I love some of the stuff that Pastor Michael was talking about this morning, because we're going to talk about thank thankfulness and thanksgiving today. And this is something that actually God started speaking to me and putting on my heart in August, and it just so happens that it's Thanksgiving weekend, and I'm sharing this with you guys. So if you would go to, um, you can follow the scriptures on the screen, or you can turn your Bible to Luke 11, Luke chapter 11, starting in verse 11. And I'm sure, I know you guys are familiar with this, but it's great to, for, for, uh, to talk about this with Thanksgiving. Luke 11 says, On the way to Jerusalem, he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, he was met by ten lepers who stood at the distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest." And as they went, they were cleansed. See, a lot of lepers, they uh, were, when Jesus spoke to them and they were healed, they had to go to the priests and the, because it was, their, it was their custom that the priest had to declare them clean. They would be healed, but the priest had to declare them clean. And it says in verse 15, and when one of them... Um, when he, uh, then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, he turned back, praising God with a loud voice. Verse 16, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now, he was a Samaritan. Now, let me tell you what's really interesting about him being a Samaritan. The Samaritans, um, um, they were kind of troublemakers. Let me, tell you, uh, let me tell you a few things about the Samaritans. Samaritans believed that the five books of the Bible were God-led, but they, didn't, they did not follow and did not accept the books of the prophets. So that was something that the, that the, the rest of the Jews, real, the Jews had a really, really big problem with. Another thing about the Samaritans is the Samaritans were totally against Nehemiah building the wall. They wouldn't support it. They wouldn't fund it. They wouldn't help. It's kind of like, kind of like Nancy Pelosi nowadays. But um, all the... All the, all the Fox News watchers got that joke. <laughs> but they were, against, they were against Nehemiah building the wall. Um, another thing about them is, um, is they gladly received Jewish criminals to come and to live in Samaria. So the Jewish people, especially the high priests, they had a lot of problems with, with people that were, that were Samaritans. Let's look at uh, verse 17. It says this, then Jesus answered, were not 10 cleansed? 
Were there not nine? Was no one found to return to give praise to God except for this foreigner? That's why he called him a foreigner. It's because he was a Samaritan. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. See, Jesus then became his high priest and Jesus called him healed and Jesus called him cleansed because he came back and gave him, gave him thankfulness. You know, a lot of, there's so many times in our lives, and, and the same thing with me, that we have struggles, we have things that we're dealing with, and, um, you know, we hear so much in the body of Christ about how to operate by faith and how to walk by faith, but so much of walking by faith has to do with thankfulness. Amen. Let's go to the next verses. Let me show you this. In 2 Peter, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter Chapter one, I need to be in, in, the, in the spirit of Thanksgiving. I need to have Thanksgiving and thank Jared for pulling me out of the fire with my PowerPoint this morning. Thank you so much, Jared, for doing that. That is awesome. Second uh, Peter chapter one, verse three, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Think about that. There's a divine power that is connected to you for everything you need to have a great life, to have a successful life. And I'm not saying life doesn't have trials. We face trials all the time, and God's word says that we're going to face trials. But there's God has a divine nature that you can partake in that helps you to deal with everything in life. And how many of us want to be more godly? How many of us need to be more godly at Thanksgiving when the relatives show up? (laughs) Whoo! All right. <laughs> Your wife. Amen. Okay, we'll, we'll pray for her later. Uh, <laughs> so let me start over. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. You guys, it's the, our knowledge of him and who he is that helps us to get to this place. I get to minister to a lot to teenagers and I tell them this. I tell him, the more you spend time with him, the more you know him. The more you know him, the more you love him. The more you love him, the more you obey him. Why do you not go out and cheat on your wife? Hopefully because you know it would be wrong, but also even a bigger reason than that should be, I love my wife so much, I would never want to be with somebody else and I would never want to hurt her. Because... Joseph's not out cheating on his wife because he spends time with her. He knows her. He loves her. He spends time with God. He knows him. He loves him. And it's so easy then to walk in obedience. Then it goes on and says this in verse four, by which he has granted unto us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of a divine nature. You guys, all of us as believers We have the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us. We have have the opportunity to to partake in a divine nature, but it comes through us knowing who he is and knowing what he's provided for us. And then it it goes on and it says, having escaped this corruption that is in the world, uh, uh, um, that that is a cause of sinful desire. You guys, when, when when... I accepted Christ, and I knew the monster was dead. Instantly, I became free. 
I became free. And my life then after that, like I said, I wasn't, let me tell you something. I, when, you know, you, you, know, you see Jesus um, from Palm Sunday where he's on the, riding on the donkey. You guys know what I'm talking about? I've, I used to see pictures of that. But when I read in Matthew the Sermon on the Mount, I thought it was Jesus like mounted on the donkey preaching because I knew nothing about God. When it said the Sermon on the Mount, I was, he was like, blessed are the peacemaker. I didn't know. I didn't know that he was actually on a mountain. I thought the Holy Spirit was, the Holy Ghost was really like a ghost, like a superhero and zipped around the world and helped people. I knew, I didn't know the difference between the Old and New Testament. I knew nothing. I thought, I also thought Joseph in the Old Testament lived long enough to be Jesus' father. I'm not kidding you. I knew nothing. And I'll never forget, I was on my personal devotional time. I know. Just a spiritual donut hole, I'm telling you. It's amazing I could walk and talk. But I remember the first time I was reading in the gospel where Jesus tells Peter, you're going to deny me three, you're going to deny me three times before the crow cries. And I remember, I'll never forget reading that. And Jesus, and he denied Jesus. And I remember going, oh. I was like, this is amazing. I was like ready to put the Bible between two pieces of bread and just start eating it. But part of the reason why is because I instantly started my relationship with God through being so thankful. I started my relationship with God with being so grateful. And you know what? I'll never forget. And, and let me say that I had a great, both of my grandmothers were, were believers. My grandmother, one of my grandmothers, uh, she was Catholic and she didn't accept Christ until she was probably in her late 60s, early 70s. And it was, it was that was so neat to, to see that happen. But my other grandmother was one of these ladies that I'm serious I, I can't imagine her ever sinning. I never heard her raise her voice. I never heard her gossip about anybody. And she, it, she was just an amazing, amazing person. And whenever I saw her pray, which was a lot, I saw her, she prayed on her knees. And so, you know, I watched Little House on the Prairie and Paul, he prayed on his knees. So that's how I started my life of prayer. I thought you had to be on your knees. But I remember it was on the third day that I accepted Jesus. I was on my knees in my bedroom, my parents' house, and I literally made a list of the sins that I, were no gonna, I was no longer going to commit because I was so thankful for God delivering me out of the sin that I was in and out of the addiction that I was in. So next slide. So when you become free, how do you maintain your freedom? I believe we maintain our freedom through thankfulness. Go to the next slide. When our heart is continually thankful, it becomes easier to walk in that divine nature. How many of us are, we're trusting God for something. You've got an illness. You've got something going on with your family and you're trusting God. But see, the more you know him, the more you spend time with him, the more you love him, the more that you, you have that knowledge of who he is, then you become thankful to him all the time. And your thankfulness no longer has to conjure up some kind of faith that you think you really don't have, but you're thankful about what's happening and faith just rises up on its own. You become free and you maintain your freedom from sin and your old nature by being full of thanks. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, Susan and I both uh, have been married for almost five years. Susan and I both um, were widowed uh, about nine years ago. We didn't know each other. We lived in different states. 
And uh, anyway, so um, but anyway, so Susan and I have met, and so it's kind of if I talk about something, I say my wife, and you go to Susan. Hey, I heard about, and she's like, "No, that was Rick's other wife." You would it might get really uncomfortable, not for Susan, but for you. So <laughs> Susan and I still accidentally call us call each other by the old spouses' names, and but it's no big deal. And we have pictures of our old spouses hanging up all over the house because. We're just relaxed about all that kind of stuff. It's so hard, though, when I'm teaching. And I, uh, one time I was at a church in Canada, and I was speaking at a conference, and it was about two years after my wife had passed away. And um, anyway, I was trying to explain about my wife passing away and stuff. And then all this, I could see everybody go. And then it was like almost, almost like ruined the service. So, um, so I have to be careful kind of how I talk about it because people can kind of, you know, be like, oh, that's all they think about as I'm talking. But so when I talk about wife number one, I'm not a polygamist. So... I don't see how men could handle more than one. So, but anyway, so when I was married to wife number one, we were married for almost 25 years before she went to be with the Lord. And um, she had just faith that was just really, I think was really uh, uh, just extraordinary. And um, anyway, one morning we were laying in bed and she said, just with a big smile on her face, I'll never forget, she goes, we need to start believing God for a minivan. And I said, I don't want a minivan. She said, no, I'm serious. We need to start believing God for a minivan. And so we were doing youth ministry. And about a year after this, we started, we started traveling around the country a lot. And I said, well, honey, really, I, I'd rather have something else, like, let's, like a big SUV. So, uh, she said, yeah, there you go. And she said, no, it's just, we need to believe God for a minivan. So she was like, let's just pray right now and just thank God for it. And I was like, all right, whatever. And so we're so we laid in bed, and she grabbed my hand, and she said, "God, I'm not sure how this is going to work. I'm not sure what you're doing, but, but um, I just feel in my heart that you want us to start trusting you and believing that you're bringing us a minivan." And so anyway, so probably a couple of months went by, and every, and every few days we'd be praying, or the kids would be, and the, let me tell you, my kids did not want the loser cruiser. <laughs> they were against believing God for the minivan worse than me. And because they were getting their license and they did not want to drive a minivan, which they called the loser cruiser. Anyway, so, um, so anyway, so we would be praying and she said, okay, well, let's just remember to thank God that our minivan's coming. And I'd be like, all right, let's, you know, so I'm kind of getting on board. And um, anyway, so uh, I don't know, maybe four months goes by or something. And, and we're still talking about it. And then one time she, she actually um, told me, she goes, hey, I had a dream about our minivan. I was like, oh, it's really happening. Thanks, Lord. Um, and I was like, really, what do you mean? She goes, it was this white minivan. It had like this big kind of thick black stripe down the side. And I'm telling you, when my wife heard something from the Lord, I mean, I knew she was really hearing from God. And um, anyway, so uh, I was like, maybe about four months or so goes by, and some friends of ours um, invited us out to lunch. It was on a Saturday afternoon. We met at Chili's for lunch, and we're eating. And they said, hey, just want to let you guys know that we, we have a present for you. And I leaned over to her and I go, it's the minivan. She was like, don't say it, don't say it. I, oh my gosh, maybe it is. And she's like, she's like freaking out that it could be the minivan. I mean, she's like ready to come out of her seat. And I said, it's, and I'm serious. I knew, I was like, it's the minivan. I, I don't know how I knew. So anyway, so show, let's go to the slide. So we're sitting there eating and they hand me keys to this van with the black stripe down the side. And so we ran outside, they had a big bow on it, and she said, see, I told you it had the big black stripe down the side, I saw it. And you know what, but when she mentioned this to me, 
It was never, okay, let's ask God and let's quote some verses. And it's because we were, she was already operating at that divine nature. She was in that place of, we don't have to start asking for it. We just need to start thanking him for it. And you guys, when God helps us to get in that place of that divine nature, he speaks stuff to us. And there's things that he drops in our heart. And there's visions and there's dreams, literal dreams that you have. And God will bring those things to pass. And he does, you know what, why did he speak this to her? And then why did it take this long? I don't know. But these people, they were friends of ours and they owned a business in town. They bought another business in another town. And they had a fleet of cars and trucks and vans. And they said, they knew they couldn't use this van. They didn't want to keep it. And they prayed. And the wife said, the Lord spoke to her. We need to give the van to the Mills family. That's how God works. That's so awesome. Isn't it great? Let's look at the let's look at the Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. It says this. Um, yeah, I'll let you get there. Hang on a second. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. Once again some verses that you guys will be uh, really familiar with. Romans chapter 1. For I am this is Paul talking. He says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it has the power of God that brings salvation to everyone that believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. I want you to think about what that what he just said right here. Because you know what? A lot of times the reason why we have trouble in our walk of faith, trusting God for things, is because we still feel like we have to earn it somehow. We still feel like, well, God, I know that my mom's really sick now and she's got cancer and I haven't really been reading the word and so I gotta get in the word. And, and so you start to conjure up this way of how you're gonna get God to move. But see, it says here, he says, that the power of God brings about salvation. And it says, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. What is righteousness? It's right standing with God. It's like you breaking the law and going to a judge and the judge says, you look good in my court, stop speeding, but I'm gonna let you go. You always look good to God and you don't have to conjure it up. But this, this, so I'm gonna read this again. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness, a right standing with God is what that means. That is by faith from the first to the last. The righteous will live by faith. Do you know why it's easier to live by faith when you know that you're righteous? Because you realize that he's already done it all. And when you realize he's already done it all, that divine nature kicks in. It's not about you. It's about him. And then you live a life where you can just start thanking him for it all. You know what? Something that the Lord really spoke to me about several years ago about stuff in my life and doing ministry and different things is he spoke to me and he said, the more that you get fixed, the more you let me heal you, the more you can focus on everybody else. That's so awesome. That is so awesome. So knowing that you have that right standing with God, that you always look good to him, allows you to really ask him for stuff, and then you live a life more of thankfulness instead of asking him to do it, trying to get him to move. Look at verse 18. It says this, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Verse 19, since 
since what may be known about God is, pl- is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. Listen, God has made himself known to people. You hear stuff every now and then. I watch some Christian, um, I like to watch some Christian news programs and there, I, I have an app for CBN on my phone. If you don't have the CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network app on your phone, man, put that on your phone and they have videos and articles about some of the coolest stuff. I just saw on, 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 uh, on the app, they had a story in a video of a church that started five years ago in India that's now 120,000 people, and they started with a Bible study. That kind of stuff, man, it gets me fired up, especially when you look at some of the stuff that we're dealing with here. We're like, Lord, we need you to move big time, but he is moving here, and it's, it's so encouraging to see him moving in other places. I saw something else on there recently where people in South Korea, this is what they do. They have people in their church, and they watch the weather. And when the weather's just right, they get these massive red balloons and they put food and, and New Testaments on them and they launch them into, South, into North Korea. That is awesome. I, I just love hearing that kind of stuff. Anyway, so he is making himself known, uh, making himself known to folks, no matter if, if, um, what it looks like. Then in verse 20, for since the creation of, of, the, of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, there's those words again, divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. Go to the next slide there for me, Jared, please. Verse 21 says, for although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but in their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened and wicked. Futile means that they were incapable of having success. They were, they were unable to really be, satis- to be satisfied in life. It means that, meant that their life became less effective is what that means. <clears throat> Look at the next uh, slide for me. There we, here we go. It says, to not glorify him as God, the Greek, there's a Greek word there. Um, I'm no Greek scholar, so I didn't put it up there because I probably couldn't pronounce it. But anyway, so, but there's a Greek word, <coughs> excuse me, it's meaning to not value and to not esteem. You know, when Paul talks about that, he looks at the things, <coughs> excuse me, can somebody bring me some water? I think I swallowed a bug. Um, <laughs> Oh, there's some here. Oh, thank you so much. Um, you know, when Paul talks about that, he when Paul talks about that, he's take he looks at the things of the world, and he clear he 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 says that he sees them as dung or he sees them as garbage. It's similar to this word, but it means to disesteem. It means he no longer esteemed. And so many times when I would read that. I would think, well, Paul just thought, oh, man, I could be out doing this and that, but I'm going to consider these worldly things just to be trash. But you know what he was talking about? Paul was very, very educated. Paul was a very educated Jew, and he had status as a Jew. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, I, I, I disesteem, I no longer esteem the things that people would look at me and say, wow, look how great he is. He would no longer look at his, his, his education as, wow, look at me and look what I've done. It's not like he was looking at sin and going, man, I want to go sleep around and I want to go get drunk. I'm considering, I'm sure he did consider those things to be trash and junk, but he was considering the things of his culture and st- that brought him status as, as things that, um, that uh, he would no longer esteem in his life. Look at the, um, the first point here. I, I think I, I wish I had like five fantabulous faith. Thanksgiving, um, 
thrilling, um, some, some kind of alliteration for you here, but I don't, so um, don't tell Pastor James. Um, <clears throat> but I, I do have a couple points I want to share with you today. Thankfulness changes your identity. Thankfulness changes your identity. When um, I was telling you about when I accepted Christ, I did something really crazy. I was living in Cincinnati, Ohio. I was working in advertising, and I accepted Christ. And four months after I was accepting Christ, I packed up my car, and I drove to Los Angeles. I'd never lived there. I'd never been there. I didn't know anybody there, and I didn't have a job. I just said, you know what? I'm going to start my life over. People around me aren't too thrilled with me walking with Jesus, so I'm going to go find some people that want to walk with Jesus, and I want it to be by the beach. <laughs> So I moved to Los Angeles and, you know, and I went to my, this church I was going to in Ohio and I told the pastor, I said, I really want to move to Los Angeles. And I'm sure he thought as a new believer, you know, you're going to go out there in this sin city of the world and, you know, you're going to fall away from God. But he was like, well, let me tell you what you need to do when you move there. And I said, okay. And he said, the first thing you do before you find a church, before you find a place to live, he said, find a church. And he said, find a church. He said, doesn't have to get this. He said, doesn't have to be a Baptist church. Find a church that teaches the word of God like we do and go there and find all your friends there. Well, that's what I did. I spent the night in my car on Saturday and I slicked back my hair on Sunday morning and I went into church after sleeping in my car. And, I, and he gave me some of the best advice I'd ever gotten. And I was at um, this, it was a huge Baptist church. It was about 6,000 people. And then... Um, the Holy Spirit started moving in my life, and so I went to this, this uh, church, and I got filled with the Holy Spirit. But when I was uh, 14, I found I had juvenile arthritis, and um, I was just in a lot of pain, and I was, um, let's see how, I was 20, 24 at the time, and I was still dealing with it a lot, and there was times I couldn't go to work, and I was, it, 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 was, uh, it was just not good, and not a good time. Anyway, so we started going to this church, and this pastor was talking about healing and how God will heal you and different things like that, and so... Um, uh, this was before my uh, wife, number one, before we were married and we were engaged and she came to my house. I lived in LA. I was in my bed with a heated blanket and a hoodie and like three layers of clothes because my body ached so badly, I couldn't get out of bed. And she came in so compassionately and she said, is this what your arthritis is going to do to you? And I said, well, that's what it's been doing to me. And she said, God didn't care. This is what she said. She said, God didn't call me to marry a crippled guy. <laughs> so compassionate. She said, we, this was on a Monday night. She goes, Wednesday night, we're going to church, and we're going to see Jesus heal you of this. So we went to church Wednesday night, and I just started, I didn't know any, really anything about healing. And I said that about her, but she wasn't saying that to, to make me look bad. She was declaring, God has not called me to marry a guy that can't get out of bed. We got business to do. We got Jesus to serve. We, got, we had been doing street ministry together for years in Hollywood. We were busy for Jesus, and that's really what she meant. She wasn't criticizing me. She, she, was, she was basically putting a stake in the ground saying, no, we're not doing this. We're doing something else. We're doing the Jesus thing. And so, so that Wednesday night, there was about 300 people at this. They called it a Bible study, but it was um, about 300 people there. And so we went, and this pastor uh, taught on healing, and at the end of the services, we had been there three or four times, and the Lord would speak to him about who came to get healed. And he said, somebody is here, and you came here specifically to get healed of arthritis. Who is? I still have the cassette tape of, of this happening in 1984. 
And he said, somebody came here tonight to get healed of arthritis. Who, who is that? And I raised my hand and he said, come up here. And he prayed for me and I instantly got healed. But let me tell you something. The healing was great. But you know what? It changed my identity. And let me tell you why. Is because I remember sitting down and my first thought was, oh, this is over. I don't have to deal with this anymore. My first thought was, Jesus stopped all 300 people and what they needed and he ministered to me. I was the priority and God knew my need and it changed my identity in him. Next, number two. Thankfulness, go to to number two for me, please. Thankfulness keeps your faith God-focused. It keeps your faith God-focused. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Go to the next slide for me. Let me show you. um, I don't know about you guys, but I like hearing hearing how people have personally walked out some stuff from God. You know, sometimes I read the Bible, I'm like, this is really cool that Peter did this, or, you know, that Paul did this, but it's sometimes, isn't it a little bit unrelatable? Come on, isn't it? It's a little, I mean, it's a great model, but it, sometimes it feels a little bit unrelatable. Anyway, this is my daughter and her husband. Uh, this is Natalie, my daughter. I have two daughters. This is my daughter, Natalie, and her husband, Adam. <clears throat> and they met in youth group in high school, and they got married when they were 20. And um, anyway, um, several months ago, a year and a half ago, I'm really bad with dates, but they, uh, they found out they were pregnant. And um, my other daughter, her name is Haley. We, Haley and I both have the same birthday. And so we had planned to get together on March 11th. So it'll be, it'll be two years ago this coming March, I guess, that we were going to have to get together with Adam and Natalie, my other daughter Haley and her husband and Susan and me, and we were going to have dinner. And that's when Adam and Natalie were going to announce to us that they were going to have a baby. And so anyway, so um, we'd planned this dinner. And then um, about 5 o'clock on that day, Adam calls me and tells me, Natalie got into a lot of pain. Something's really wrong. We're, we're getting rushed to the hospital. And so she had surgery, which caused her to miscarry. And when she had the surgery, the doctor said, you've got so many cysts on your ovaries. Um, he said, this is just not looking good for you to be able to conceive and to, be, and to not miscarry. And so, but this is really cool. The doctor that, um, the doctor that um, my daughters go to is the same doctor that, delivered them when they were babies here. His name's Dr. Vic. He's here in town if you ever heard of him, but he's, he's phenomenal. He's a great, godly, really godly man. And so they were devastated that they lost their baby. And um, she had to have surgery, and then they got bad news on top of that. But the doctor, this is so cool, Dr. Vic said to Adam, he said, Adam, come over here and let's lay hands on your wife, and we're going to ask God for a miracle. And so the doctor prayed with them. So I'm telling you, Go to Dr. Vic, all right? And um, anyway, so they scheduled an appointment with Natalie. A few weeks later, she goes in. They go in together, and they said, um, you shouldn't try to get pregnant for at least six months. We're going to have to schedule a surgery. And so, and they said, your, your tubes, and your, you have so many cysts on your ovaries, we don't think we can even remove them all, and both of your tubes are blocked. They were devastated. And so we got together, and they called me, and Natalie was just crying and crying on the phone. She said, but Dad, I don't know how this is going to work, but God has called us to be parents, and we are going to be parents. And so they scheduled her to go in. Um, A few weeks later for a consultation, they gave her the names of different fertility doctors, and Natalie started looking online. She started looking for things, and she said, Dad, if we have to adopt, we're going to adopt. We are called to be parents. I know we're called to be parents. And so um, anyway, so that... um, 
the doctor again laid hands on Adam and, and the doctor laid hands on Natalie and Adam. And you know what they did? They just kept thanking God. God, we thank you that we know we are called to be parents. They didn't try to conjure up some faith. They didn't have to try to rekindle something that they didn't have, but they just started thanking him. So they had Natalie schedule a consultation to go in. They were going to look, look around again just to figure out exactly what they were going to do with surgeries and things like that. And so she goes in by herself because it's just going to be checking things out, schedule surgery. And she goes in and the doctor says, well, well, weren't we asking God for a miracle here? And he said, you have no cysts, your tubes are open, and you're five weeks pregnant. <laughs> Isn't that cool? But I'm telling you, what they did was Adam and Natalie, they continually thanked God that he was going to make them parents. I changed my, and I still have it, I changed my, my notification when Natalie would send me a text or call me, and it was like this little, kind of sounds like, like a little baby lullaby thing, and every time she would call me, or every time I'd get a text, I would just say, thank you, God, that she's going to conceive, and thank you that they're going to have a healthy baby. So let me show you this little guy. You know, Michael, I had to get, I had to get Henry in here. So this is, this is Henry, Adam and Natalie and Henry, and that's his, he's now five months old, but, um, um, and he's a big boy. We call him, I call him Hank-a-Tank, and so, but you guys, when you're constantly thanking the Lord, it helps you to stay, it helps you to stay faith focused. And you don't feel like you have to somehow conjure it up because you're already knowing that you are the righteousness. You already have right standing with God. You already look good to him. And then you're participating in this divine nature and you don't have to try to conjure something up, but you can continually thank him and it changes your identity and your thankfulness will feed your faith. Let's look at uh, number three. Point number three is thankfulness brings forth freedom. When I got delivered from alcoholism, I was free. It changed me. When you're thankful, it brings forth freedom. And then I put it here, freedom should always invoke a response. I have a friend recently that did some wrong things and got put in jail. He got put in jail and got out and found out the next day he had to go back in jail. But let me tell you something. After two years of being in jail for some pretty goofy things, nothing super serious, he was thankful. He was thankful to be free. Let me tell you guys something. I believe that thankfulness puts the seal on our faith. Thankfulness, that's, that's the response, is God You've changed me. The Bible tells me that if any man be in Christ, I'm a new creation. The old is gone and new has come. I'm free. In thankfulness, you can, add, listen, there's nothing wrong with getting scripture and holding on to that scripture because faith comes by hearing the word of God. But I'll be honest with you. There are times when I was at a, what I would call a word of faith church, and don't, don't get your rocks out at me, but I'm telling you, there were times that they taught me a formula and not a relationship. Thankfulness is the sealer and the amen to our faith. Let's look at um, a verse, another verse here. We'll finish up. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not, forget none of his benefits, 
who pardons, listen, this, if, this, if nothing else, this is enough to make you thankful, who pardons all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit. This week, it was really sweet. I hope it's okay to tell you this, but it was just so sweet to me. My uh, step-grandson that comes here, Sam, he's going to Berean school, which um, is so life-changing for these kids, I can't even begin to tell you. Um, but anyway, he came to me, and I love this. He said, Pops, and he had tears in his eyes, and I'm telling you, oh my gosh. Whew. He had tears in his eyes, and he said, Pops, I'm having trouble. I feel like my life is in the pit, and I can't get out. And then he went on to tell me what he was thinking and what Jesus would say to him and how he needed to get his life out of the pit. And I know he's learning this from school. He's learning about people that had their life in the pit from school because we didn't, we didn't tell him that. And I remember praying with him and talking to him and talking to him about sin. He said to me a few weeks ago, it was on Saturday, it was about 8 o'clock at night, and he said, Pops! I gotta tell you something, and I love how he just, I, I, I kind of, they don't have, they're single, single moms, so it's kind of like, they kind of remind me of how we need to be with God, because they come in my office and just push my office chair back and get in my lap. She's like, hey, I know you're busy, but guess what? I'm here. <laughs> and I love that. And he hops in my chair and he says, Pops, guess what? I got something to tell you. I said, what is it? He goes, I haven't sinned one time all day. <laughs> I said, that's awesome. <laughs> Gosh, kids can teach us such cool things. But so it says here in, in Psalm 103 that who, who, who pardons all of our iniquities, who heals all of our diseases, who redeems our life from the pit, who crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. Man, when you have things in your life that you need, things that you're really trusting God for, he will be there for you. And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how you feel. I used to, I was on a worship team here in town at a church I used to go to a long time ago, and people would come in, oh, well, praise God, you guys, I'm, uh, I'm like, are you sick? No, I'm not sick. I'm just receiving my healing. Well, I believe that you can be receiving your healing, but let me tell you, you, you are sick. You know, you just, went, you just went from a soprano to a baritone just a couple of days. But you know what it was? Is that it was an atmosphere where people felt like if they confessed that they were sick or it was a weakness that they were in sin. And I remember thinking to myself, what is going on here? He has, he, he has delivered us from so much and it's okay to confess your weakness and it's okay to struggle. And it's okay to go to somebody else and say, I'm dealing with this and I'm struggling with this and I need some prayer. Will you help me? Will you, be, will you encourage me? We all need that. I need that. And let me tell you something. We have right standing with him and we can partake in a divine nature and he has delivered us from these things. But there are times I have to go to his word and I've got to let that feed me and I've got to let that remind me of who I am and who I belong to. And then when I do that, I just start thanking him for it. I just start thanking him for where he's taking me and what he's doing. And the circumstance may be looking the same the next day or the next week, but I just keep thanking him for it. Let's look at one last verse and we'll finish up here. Uh, 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me. It's from Psalm 34. You don't have to turn to it. Just going to read this one verse here. It says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I feel like so much what the worship team did today and the words that Pastor Michael had to say fit so well together with what I wanted to say to you guys today. The, and to look at the word to, to esteem, it means, this, it means to value the prize. The words to magnify him is a Greek word that means esteem and it means to value the prize. We know that we're not asking God to give us something like a prize, like you would win the lottery or, or win the raffle to get a car. But you guys, the prize is peace of mind. The prize is good health. The prize are the, is the thing that our family is walking with Jesus. And when we accept our righteousness that Jesus provided on the cross, we have the prize. Let's take a minute. Let me pray.